are listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Melanomas are skin cancers that often resemble moles. Some even develop from moles. While it is not the most common of the skin cancers, it causes the most deaths. It's estimated that nearly one quarter of a million people in the world die of skin cancer each year, with Australia and New Zealand having the highest rates. Our guest was diagnosed with advanced melanoma with metastasis to the brain, lymph, and lung. But she used cannabis oil along with lifestyle changes to clear herself of her cancer. And joining us from the UK, United Kingdom, to tell her story is Jem Ayers. Jem, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Take, oh, no worries. Thank you. It's an absolute honor. Take us back to prior to your diagnosis. What physical symptoms were you experiencing that prompted you to go to the doctor? Um, physical symptoms. Well, I had it started with a serious headache and I don't really suffer from headaches, but I had really bad headaches, which was causing me to wear sunglasses all the time. And I was really sensitive to light and sound. Um, and I went to the doctors and I was suggested it was eye strain and that I needed to go to see an optician. And I went to see an optician and I got glasses and nothing changed. And, you know, no paracetamols, ibuprofen, no painkillers were working. So I had three different visits to the doctors, actually, in the month prior to being um, in hospitalized. Um, and the last time was the couple of days before going traveling, a couple of days before flying. I had a really splitting headache and I'd kept going back and I got these glasses and nothing had changed. So I ended up basically not almost not able to lift my head because before traveling. Um, and I believed I'd had a mini stroke the week before because I had had problems walking and with my balance as well. So there were times when my head felt like it was a fishbowl and my brain was just floating around in it but being shook up every single step I took felt like my brain was being shaken about in this fishbowl so I was traveling kind of stepping at kind of almost like you know two inches at a time um, and then I felt the right side of my face slipping and my arm went very limp and numb and, you know, dropping. And the right, my right leg, I was dragging it along. And uh, I was at a festival at the time because this was the summer. This was August. And all the way through this month, I'd just been told, you know, it's eye strain. It's nothing to worry about. No doctors were really believing me because I was young. I was only 32. And physically, I was incredibly fit as well. Um because I did a lot of swimming, I did, did a lot of yoga. The day before travelling, I had to get the doctor out again, and they just tapped my head and said it was a sinus infection. So it just gave me antibiotics. And, uh, and then when I actually got to Thailand, I felt incredibly woozy and odd when I got off the flight. And then as soon as I got in a taxi, I was just you know, throwing up everywhere. And then as soon as I got to the guest house, I was throwing up everywhere and I just slept it off. 
because that's kind of what I've been doing for the month previous, just sleeping it off and trying to make myself better because uh, no one was taking me seriously. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like the symptoms I had. When you were on the airplane, did you have any adverse effects of the flight? No, I didn't actually, and I'm quite. Uh, I've, I used to be quite a good flyer. Uh, I didn't have any issues. So this was the thing: the 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 it kept coming and going. The headaches kept coming and going. The wobbliness kept coming and going. The not being able to walk very fast. Uh, you know, it just kept coming and going. So I was totally fine for the whole flight. But then, yeah, as soon as I landed, that's when I felt really quite bizarre. And when I was when I finally ended up going to the hospital um, about two weeks after landing in Thailand, the neurosurgeon, after looking at my scan, just kind of said to me, "I don't know how you got here. I don't know how you survived the flight. You should have, you know, kind of gone into a coma uh, in the air." because the size of the tumour. He couldn't really believe that I was walking and talking and sat there talking to him. He kind of said, we should be rushing you into emergency surgery now because of, you know, where this tumour's positioned. But you look fine, so actually we've got time to prepare you for surgery. So I'm wondering if the fact that you were physically fit had anything to do with the fact that you were working your way through this when the doctor suggested that uh, essentially you shouldn't be alive. Yeah, absolutely. I was incredibly fit and mentally quite strong as well. Um, and I was running my own business. So I was dancing five, six times a week. I taught dance classes. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I'm a very independent person. So I was just getting on with it. But I've always had a very positive outlook as well. Um, and never really suffered with any major health issues ever, actually. I, I'm not the kind of person who goes to the doctor, really. So in Thailand, you were diagnosed with a brain tumor, correct? Yeah. And they did surgery. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, I went in for a CT scan because um, I was still convinced or it was a sinus infection. I met an ear, nose and throat specialist who after the scan came up to me and said, you don't have a sinus infection. There's a problem in your brain. And then, you know, I just... Ooh, that's that that moment that's the worst thing you can ever really hear actually when you're in a foreign country on your own um thinking you've just got a bit of an infection yeah and then the neurosurgeon popped up straight away and procedures to get me ready for kind of uh, treatment ready for surgery sorry started straight away what's going through your mind at that point um i think i was in complete shock mm. What was going through my mind? I remember laughing, actually. It was almost unbelievable. I was like, this is unbelievable. Mm. My friends actually just aren't going to believe this is happening. It almost felt untrue, like, uh, you know, from TV. Surreal. Like being in a film. Yeah, completely surreal. Um, and just, uh, but I also remember kind of like an overwhelming feeling of trust and surrender came over me it's like okay this is this is where you are now you're in hospital and you're just going to get through this and you're going to get through this you know the best you can i think i knew that i didn't want panic or fear to take over because i think that's quite an unhealthy mindset to get into and kind of can create illness and disease just from you know 
getting into a state of panic so i was just really trying all of my kind of meditation techniques to stay really centered and really focused and um with what was actually happening for me in that moment instead of running down the pathway of oh my god what does this mean what's going to happen you know and trying to preempt disaster basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the operation did they get all of the tumor Yep, all the all the tumor was removed. The neurosurgeon was incredibly happy with how it went. So after the operation and the tumor is gone, uh, how did you feel? Oh well, again, kind of in this real state of this is okay. You're in hospital. You're doing the best you can. Everyone's doing the best for you. Mm-hmm. So not allowing the panic to set in. But physically, I mean, uh, I couldn't walk for quite a long time after surgery. Um, you know, parts of my body, well, all of my body had been put asleep, but, you know, my bowels weren't very good because they're the last part to wake up. Um, my, uh, I couldn't lift my head for three days after surgery. Um uh, it took a long time to get me back walking. Um, it wasn't even till I was back in the UK that I was really very steady on my feet at all. So I was, you know, quite concerned that I might never dance again because I was a dancer. Um, and then there was a few other things that, that kind of deter- my health deteriorated a little bit, that, but they were all related to the surgery. So I believe that I was given too many steroids, which gave me deep vein thrombosis in my legs, which traveled up to my lung to create a you know, pulmonary embolism, which could then potentially travel to my heart um, and create a blockage. So I was on um, blood thinner injections for a long period of time. I also had water on the chest, water on my lungs, and my lung collapsed. So I was down to 30% um oxygen 30 percent breathing um i also had muscle spasms all around my back and my diaphragm again possibly just from where my muscles were waking up or where where i'd been in bed for too long um so i was having a bit of a rough time it felt like every day something new was happening to stop me getting the flight home they did the did the brain surgery and they found out that it was malignant but they also found out that it was a secondary tumor so it originated from somewhere else in the body, um, but they were saying, we've just got to get you home and we've got to get you into a really good state so that you can fly. Because I wasn't fit enough for fly. My, you know, my head wasn't ready. I wasn't able to walk. My lungs, I couldn't have, there's no way I could have flown with, you know, collapsed lungs. So I had to really kind of concentrate on that healing first before I had any idea actually what was going on um, with the cancer. And uh, and I had no experience of cancer in my kind of direct circles in my family or in my friends. So I didn't really know what it was. I didn't really know what to expect. And I think that kind of served me as a bit of a benefit, really, because, again, the panic and the fear couldn't take over. I just had to be really with how I was. And it was, OK, today you're just going to concentrate on your breath because it was quite a struggle to breathe sometimes. Uh, And when everything's an effort, you can't allow yourself to panic about stuff that hasn't happened yet. Jim, how long after the operation in Thailand did you arrive back in the UK? It was about three weeks later. Three weeks later, I was back in the UK and I was taken um, straight into 
the UK hospital. And then I was in the UK hospital for another two weeks before they finally diagnosed me. So those two weeks were all just checking, uh, you know, trying to um, rummage around my body, trying to find if there were any more tumours anywhere. And eventually... A lump was found in my left armpit. My auxiliary lymph node was swollen, so they did a biopsy from that, and that was what told them that I had um, melanoma. And as it had travelled to my lymph node, my lung, and my brain, it was classed as advanced melanoma. It's fascinating to hear you talk because you have such a positive attitude, yet you have brain cancer, you have uh, lung issues, you're told that now you have melanoma. And most people would just say, oh, the hell with it. I'm just, you know, I'm not here for very long. I'm just going to try and get through this as best I can. But it strikes me as to what you did. You thought, I'm going to beat this. This isn't going to beat me. Yeah, I wouldn't even really allow myself to use words like beat or fight because I didn't want it to, I didn't want to, that sounded like it took a lot of energy. And at that point, I didn't have a lot of energy. So I wanted to glide. My intention and kind of like my affirmation was, I'm going to glide through cancer. I've got this, you know, I don't want to fight. I don't want to battle. I'm just going to glide. And that really is how it felt for me, actually. During the whole process, other than recovering from the brain surgery, I had very little pain. I had hardly any pain. Even when I originally uh, finally did the treatment, I... I had very little side effects. Um, So my intention was always to make the process as easy for myself. I knew I wasn't going anywhere, actually. I really did know I wasn't going anywhere. And I think people thought I was in denial. Um, You know, medical practitioners were concerned that I hadn't quite heard them. And I think some of my friends were a bit like, okay, okay, has she got this? When I was saying things like, no, no, just come with me, guys. I've totally got this. We've just got to be positive about it all. And I'm not going to fight. I'm going to glide. So people thought I was nuts. (laughs) (laughs) When you talk about treatment, what treatment are you referring to? So originally when I was in hospital, they told me just before um, releasing me, they told me that I could have any treatment I was going to be offered was palliative care only. And uh, when a few weeks later, when I finally met my oncologist, I was offered a new treatment called immunotherapy. And um, this immunotherapy, only about, uh, I think, 20% of people are compatible for it. So you have to have blood tests to check that you've got the right kind of cell mutations or whatever to be able to actually have the treatment to begin with. And also they only give it to people who I believe are quite young and quite healthy because it's only got a 15% chance of working. Um, And also you can only use it on quite slow cancers, supposedly, because uh, it's a slow-acting treatment. It takes a long time. And what happened, my brain tumour had got to such a size, but but because I was still walking and talking, the original surgeon I met said, I think this is slow-growing because, you know, you shouldn't be stood up walking. If it was any faster, it might have hit me a bit harder, I suppose. So I did immunotherapy and I did, um, well, one round, it's called, which is kind of four sessions of an IV drip um, over three months. So every three weeks I was in hospital on the chemo ward with chemo patients. And basically it works with boosting your immune system. So, you know, boost your immune system so that your immune system battles itself 
it does have a few side effects potentially but again i didn't have any of those i had maybe 15 minutes where i was a bit woozy once or twice but that's nothing compared to you know what other people other patients are going through on those wards um and i always try to look at having my treatments as a treat actually i always kind of highlighted the word treat whenever i thought about it so i would wear good shoes and i would make myself feel good by wearing great clothes and i would play love songs and music to the immunotherapy to to the liquid before it was put into my drip um you know the nurses were a bit baffled but this is this was my process it was like um, you were going out on a date yeah, for sure. I was just, uh, hospitals are miserable places and they're really very cold. And a lot of people there were really very struggling. And I, I mean, I wanted to be realistic, but I wanted to be in my own reality, which was definitely at that point in time, I had no pain and I was still feeling quite positive. So I wasn't going to allow my mind to create more disease, really, or create an unhealthy atmosphere. So I was just going to, you know, yeah show cancer that i was totally in control about this so your story is interesting because it reminds me of the book i read by bruce lipton called the biology of belief we all are ah. have you read that no i haven't but just the word belief has been huge for me i put out a, a big facebook video to all my friends when i first let people know because all my friends had heard that i was in thailand while I, and, and in hospital and having brain surgery but they hadn't heard any details. You know, they were waiting for weeks to hear anything about my diagnosis or anything. And after I first found out, I didn't tell anyone hardly. I, I told a handful of friends, but I didn't tell anyone else till about two weeks later because I just wanted to figure it out in my own head before I got other people panicking and let their panic affect me. So when I finally did put it out there, I put it out on a Facebook video. And I just kind of said, well, everything I've said to you, I'm going to I'm going to get through this. I'm going to glide through this. I'm going to be completely positive and I don't want anyone to worry because I've got this. But what I do want from you is to send me all the love that you've got. And I just want you to be my believers. And so I kind of had a bit of a following of believers, if you like. Um, so that's the term I would use. You know, I believe I totally 100 percent believe that I could get through it. Oh, that's amazing. When did you start taking cannabis oil? Yeah, I started taking cannabis oil a month after I was diagnosed. Um, you know, loads of people wanted to help me, so I sent loads of different advice and loads of different articles, and I did loads of research overnight. So I uh, I did. Lo I became a health geek, basically. I researched all the supplements I needed to do the best diet everything and i had a healer friend who works with a lot of cancer patients and has developed a whole protocol looking at the researches research around all the different different types of holistic treatment that cancer patients use instead of going you know as an alternative route to traditional medicine so in that protocol not only was it all around the vegan organic diet um, and coffee enemas and detoxing. It also include cannabis, cannabis oil, and uh, different ratios, uh, talking about different cannabinoids um, and different methods of taking it for different cancers. When you started taking the cannabis oil, did you notice any immediate changes within, within you physically? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, not immediately, no. I think I 
It was. I was. Actually, do you know what? I was happier. <laughs> so I was already kind of positive, but it just gave me a little bit of an extra lift, which I think is actually it's really important when you're kind of in that situation, stay positive. But I do know that the the tumor in my armpit had been biopsied and was actually swollen to quite a size by this point, and it was about two or three weeks into the cannabis oil that I saw a dramatic difference in in the the size of that i think i saw a difference before that but i almost didn't believe it and then about 3 weeks later i went no it's definitely definitely shrunk interesting do you know if the cannabis you were taking was was it high in thc i was taking a cbd oil um orally and a thc oil suppository so both a bit of both how many times a day were you taking it I was taking CBD oil underneath the tongue um, in the morning, and I was taking suppository um, in the evenings so that, you know, I could sleep off any high effect that, you know, may occur. And the CBD oil would kind of uh, straighten me out a little bit in the morning if I did feel a little bit high, um, but generally it was fine. Jam, do you know if the CBD oil you took was from hemp or from cannabis? Hemp, I believe it was hemp. And uh, you were doing other things like the alkaline diet, uh, alkaline water, coffee enemas, things like that. You were doing everything you could in order to try and make your body as healthy as, as, as possible in order to glide through this, right? Yeah. So my idea was, you know, my immune system is, that's what I needed to work with. I needed to work with my immune system and I needed to work with my liver. The cancer cells were dying off through any of the means I was doing, whether that be cannabis oil, whether that be the treatment. I didn't want to overwhelm my liver and suddenly have a massive dump of toxins. So I needed to flush them out as quickly as possible. So that's when I was doing Epsom baths, and that was also when I when I was doing um, skin brushing to help you know move the toxins through the lymph through the system, and then the coffee enemas as well. But also, I did kind of a full life detox. I didn't watch TV. I didn't have a TV anyway. I never really been a TV watcher, but I knew I didn't want to watch TV or watch the news because I didn't want anything kind of negative uh, invading my bubble because I was far too busy for all of that. I was healing 24 hours a day. I, you know, I gave my business to someone else to run whilst I was doing this. Um, I, you know, made sure that I only saw people who were believers in my approach and what I was doing. So there were a few people that I had to cut out of my life, not in a bad way, just I let them go. Um, And I made sure that the products in my home, whether that's cleaning products, washing products, um, were, you know, organic and environmentally sound, no toxins, as well as obviously the food I was putting in my body, trying to make that as organic and as clean as possible. How did your doctors feel about your use of cannabis? Um, I believe I did tell my surgeon at some point and... Uh, they didn't really pay much attention, actually. They they just kind of um, swept it under the carpet a bit. I mean, I told them I was doing everything. And when you tell a doctor who's really trained and invested their whole life's work in traditional medicine, and you tell them that you're doing cannabis oil and you're staying happy and you're chanting to your water to try and glide through cancer... They just kind of phase out. So I didn't actually get much reaction at all from the surgeons. But it's more recently, now that I've been seeing a dermatologist, 
because the physical uh, mole or whatever gave me melanoma, because that's a skin cancer, I'm quite a moly person, but all of my moles have been checked and the primary source was never actually found. They've never found an infected or mole or patch of skin. And I kind of said to the the dermatologist, well, that must be good, right? So it's not a physical it's not a physical cause, it's psychological, so I'm going to cure this. And, of course, yeah, that kind of tipped him over the edge a little bit. Um, but when uh, recently I'm seeing him and he just can't believe it, you know, every time I go into a room with specialists for a checkup, there's always a couple more doctors who get called in the room just to look at my case you know, look at me, they have to check, double check the book to make sure I am the person who had advanced melanoma only a few months ago. So yeah, there's one there's one uh, dermatologist who was uh, really amazed, actually really amazed. And he said, you see cases like this, and it makes you question your training. Wow, that's a very interesting comment. Yeah. How long yeah. into your regime uh, did you notice that things were turning around for you, Jam? Uh, only a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, my um, tumor in my arm. I mean, I already felt so much better in my body just from doing the diet change and everything. I felt lighter. I felt the healthiest I'd ever been, actually, and the happiest I'd ever been. And then I started the cannabis oil, and the tumor in my arm was shrinking. I knew that for sure. I also had quite a, I could kind of feel the tumor in my lung. It wasn't a pain as such, but it was definitely a sensation. And um, I kind of, it sounds a bit crazy, uh, but I felt like I had a little bit of communication with that part of my lung. Like just, it was there every now and then reminding me it was still there. But I think that was only just to remind me that actually it was leaving my body and that the cells were breaking down and it was, you know, falling apart and I was healing. Yeah, you should read that book, The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, and then you will understand what you were doing was the perfect thing that you could do to rid your body of uh, not only the toxins, but the tumors and the medical problems that you were experiencing. And it's fascinating to listen to you and, and you have your positive attitude and you were essentially directing all of the negative energy within your body out so your yeah. body could heal itself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And one of the things I noticed in the list of things that you sent us that you did was oil pulling, which is a uh, thousands-of-year-old uh, Ayurvedic method of ridding the toxins in your body which i've done and it's very simple to do isn't it all you do is yeah. get, get some oil in your mouth and swish it around for 10 or 15 minutes and spit it out yeah organic coconut oil it tastes okay uh, i usually do it for 20 minutes every morning i still do it i still have my whole health regime on the go um and then yeah you spit it out and the idea is that it pulls toxins out of your mouth but i also in my research also found that there was some sort of relationship between um cancer patients and bad oral hygiene which i just think is quite interesting i can't remember the exact stats but there's something about yeah toxicity building up in the mouth i think that has a relationship with that yeah i can just imagine some of the dermatologists and doctors after being called into the room and you telling them what you've been doing and then going out and saying she's a bit of a flake but you know what it worked it worked <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean, that's because uh, of their training of my yeah, one of my oncologists just said to me, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's working. So, it, you know, from that, it was obvious that she didn't think it was just 
the treatment that was benefiting me. You know, two of the things that stuck out of out for me out of the list of things that you did was that you made a conscious decision that you weren't going to be around toxic people. Yeah. And when you said you were going to glide through this cancer, you also made the decision early on that whether or not you lived or died, you were not going to suffer. Yeah, and I think those absolutely. words are so key because that's a huge fear with a lot of people. It's the suffering aspect of it. Well, I wanted to look at what fear was for me, actually, because I didn't really know a lot about cancer and how it affects the body. All I really knew was articles you read and stuff you see on telly. I had no first-hand experience of it in, in my direct family or friends. So I kind of started to imagine what is it I'm actually really fearing. And it wasn't even the death. The end of life wasn't really a scary thought particularly but it was the potential for a lot of pain and drawn out suffering you know before the death and I was like okay so that's what initially I'm scared of and that fear is going to create something in my body which isn't isn't healthy if I if I hang on to it so I just kind of create this affirmation this was before I was even sent home from hospital actually this was I think maybe the day I was diagnosed I just said okay I'm not going to suffer I'm not going to suffer I didn't say I wasn't going to die, but I knew I wasn't going to die. But my thing was, I'm not going to suffer. Not going to suffer, yeah. Jim, do you know how much cannabis oil you did, and do you continue to take it? Oh, no, I don't continue to take it, even though I have been advised to make d- do a maintenance, maintenance dose. Stills. Yes. I only, I was advised, um, I was taking a lot less than I was advised to, just because my tolerance for the high effect wasn't very good, actually. So I started using making my own cannabis oil suppositories because supposedly um you're not meant to get high doing it that way but i it seems i'm quite sensitive so i got quite high um but again i think that just kept me in my zone of self-healing and didn't allow other distractions um because actually it really benefited my meditation practice which was keeping me sane uh i was taking it for i think i was taking it for about six to eight months I was taking it and I was taking it for a few months after getting clear scan results as well but I think um I remember the day I stopped taking it actually I used to pre-make it up in a little jar so that I could get it into a syringe every evening and I'd been traveling quite a lot during my you know during my time with cancer because I was still making sure I saw my friends and one day this jar had just tipped up in my bag and I had cannabis oil all over my clothes and everything and it was only a little little bit and I just remember thinking how interesting that was because that had never happened I'd never had any problems with my cannabis oil um and some it just felt like something was guiding me that I didn't need to go with that anymore that you were done with that yeah that I was done with that and this has kind of happened with all the different little things on my protocol some of the things I'm still definitely doing, I'm still vegan and I'm still drinking alkaline water, but more and more I'm letting go of some of the supplements and I'm letting go of, uh, I'm, I'm not doing the coffee enemas as, a, as strictly as I was anymore. Um, but I also know that there is advice that, that to maintain, you know, keep a maintenance dose of the cannabis oil going. And the idea is that you probably want to keep to your, diet or your structure for at least three years after you've you know got clear scan results but i think it's really personal i think cancer is a really personal thing for everyone so you've just got to tune in 
And, you know, my body, listening to my body had got me this far. So I was like, okay, I'm going to continue to listen to my body. No, it's a remarkable story. It's absolutely remarkable. Uh, Very good of you to talk to us, and we appreciate you telling your story, and hopefully it's an inspiration to other people around the world. Thank you. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. We really, really appreciate this. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, You are so welcome, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) You're a huge inspiration. Oh, cheers. And that's it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.